Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, the CES advance announcements continue. New stuff from Samsung. Also, why people don't want Verizon to turn off 3G and why the ability to draw a radish in a tutu is a legitimately big AI advance. This is the Daily Tech News for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Redwood, I'm Sarah Lane. From the Frog Pants Studios in Salt Lake City, I'm Scott Johnson. And I'm Roger Chang, the show's producer. Uh, we were just talking about donuts and coffee on Good Day Internet uh, because we were trying to avoid the rest of the world. Suffice to say, I decided not to wear my electrical college sweatshirt today because it wasn't as funny anymore. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Android police reported back in December that some Pixel 5 phones were playing system audio at the highest possible volume, despite users saying, no, don't play it at this level. Google has rolled out a fix now for the issue as part of the Pixel's January update, which also improves the Pixel 4a, 4a 5G, and 5's auto brightness and some lighting conditions. Also fixes an issue that was causing some speaker noise on the Pixel 4a, 5G, and squashes a bug affecting Pixel 3 devices and newer devices that made certain apps intermittently restart. WhatsApp finally did it, updated its terms of service and privacy policy so that now it says information collected by WhatsApp can be used by other Facebook companies and you don't have a way to opt out. Other Facebook companies will be able to access account registration and phone number, transaction data, service-related information, interaction information, mobile device information, and IP address. They could get it before, but you had to... Uh, say it was okay. Now they're just going to take it if you use WhatsApp. Among other things the data will be used for is to target you with ads. The new policy goes into effect February 8th and is required to continue using WhatsApp services. Cannot imagine anyone will be upset about that. No, not at all. Pioneer and Onkyo are both showing off some pretty cool new AV receivers. Maybe you're in the market for one. These support HDMI 2.1 compatibility, 8K video, gaming features such as VRR, and offering Dolby Atmos and DTSX. Supported streaming protocols include Apple AirPlay 2, 
Chromecast, works with Sonos, and DTS PlayFi. The receivers will allow voice control through both Google's and Amazon's assistance and offer two-way Bluetooth communication for streaming from phones or listening on headphones. Intel launched RealSense ID, which combines depth sensors and machine learning to add on-device depth perception capabilities for facial recognition, like face unlock. Intel says it adapts to changes like your hairstyle and your glasses, works in various lighting conditions, and a range of heights and complexions. They're saying they tried this on more than white men. Uh, It's got some anti-spoofing tech, has one in one million false acceptance rate. That's what they claim. RealSense ID will cost $99, launching Q1 2021 for manufacturers, and that's something you can buy off the shelf. Uh, So expect it to show up in things like smart locks, ATMs, access control systems, and stuff like that. Samsung is revealing more C-Lab experiment products at this year's virtual CES, including EasyCal, not a calendar app. It's actually an app that automatically calibrates your TV's picture quality. Others include Scan and Dive, which is an IoT scanner that can help identify fabric and recommend care options. Maybe you're like, is this a cashmere sweater? Food and Sommelier uses AI to pair food and wine for your home-cooked meals. And AirPocket is a portable oxygen storage device you can wear on your face mask. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Alibaba. Alibaba, one of the biggest tech companies in China, is not having a good time. Reuters reports it plans to raise at least $5 billion in U.S. dollar-denominated bonds this month as a test. Alibaba is facing serious antitrust investigations in China, uh, not only about it, but also about Ant Group. Remember, Ant Group halted its IPO last month as a result of investigations. Ant Group is the fintech arm of Alibaba. Jack Ma has pretty much disappeared from public view while he sits out these investigations. And so a bond sale could be used to test investor sentiment. How upset are you about the withdrawal of the IPO, about the antitrust investigations, etc.? But the trouble doesn't end there. Alibaba faces the president of the United States naming Alipay among eight Chinese apps in an executive order similar to the orders against TikTok and WeChat. The order would prohibit companies from engaging in transactions, the implication being that Apps like Alipay would need to be removed from app stores. The other apps named are Cam Scanner. By the way, first app uh, that has ever been named in one of these executive orders that I actually have on my phone. Haven't used it in a while, but it's a thing I've used. Uh, Cam Scanner, Share It, Tencent QQ, VMate, all uh, uh, would not would be under this ban. In fact, VMate is published by Alibaba Group's subsidiary UC Web, so that's another bad news for Alibaba. The Beijing Kingsoft Office Software's WPS Office also on there. U.S. alleges the apps could be, quote, used to track the locations of federal employees and contractors and build dossiers of personal information as the justification for the order. Interesting. Do they think the... uh, Well, I guess can't speak for them or wonder they're not going to answer me, but I'm trying to understand how something like Alipay would threaten a federal employee or contractor I mean, unless they were all into Alipay. It gets tricky, right? But if you're using Alipay is mostly used by Chinese tourists. So it's just going to hurt your tourist dollars not to have Alipay available. But yeah. let's say a federal employee was using Alipay to pay for something. Uh, theoretically, that company now knows what they spent their money on, where they spent it. Uh, you know, just like Square or PayPal or Apple Pay could as well. It's a matter of whether you trust the company to treat that data with the discretion that you believe it should be treated with. And what this executive order is accusing is that, no, they don't. Alipay, the implication is, shares this with the Chinese government. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see if 
like you said, if this thing, um, if this sort this sort of thing gets repealed immediately under a new president, or if this stuff sits for a while, if it stews, if it's more across the aisle than I think it is that everybody's a little bit more worried about Chinese apps than than the current administration. We'll yeah, have to I mean, wait and see. They're saying they'll they'll enforce this before January twentieth. Uh, we'll see if it ends up getting hung up in court like TikTok and WeChat, though, and then we'll see what the next president does. Well, speaking of getting hung up on, <laughs> that's a phone service story. Verizon 3G network will seemingly get another stay of execution. Verizon had initially said its 3G network would be shut down at the end of 2019. That's now been a while ago. Uh, later delaying it to the end of 2020 in response to inquiries from Light Reading, a Verizon spokesperson said, quote, our 3G network is operational and we don't have a plan to shut it down at this time, unquote. Although clarifying later that they did intend to shutter the network as soon as it was possible. Uh, the carrier stopped activating 3G devices in July of 2018. AT&T has announced that they have plans to shut down 3G in early 2022, with T-Mobile saying a shutdown would come over the next several years. 3G is used by some users, especially in areas not covered by 4G. Uh, but it's also widely used by companies for Internet of Things and other uh, services and devices you might have. Toyota uh, has warned customers that it is safe. Uh, excuse me, that its Safety Connect services in North America, including collision notification and roadside assistance, will stop working after November first, twenty twenty-two, due to this three G network shutdown. Uh, meanwhile, Kenya's Safaricon, uh, com rather, announced Tuesday that it would suspend deployment of its five G network which it has been building using Huawei technology. CEO Peter Nagenwa said that Safaricon would focus on converting existing customers from 2G and 3G to a 4G service. Yeah, so, well, so I mean, yeah, Sarah, ahead, this affects you directly, right? It does, yeah. I'm a Verizon customer. I have been for years, and I wasn't seeing 3G all that often until <laughs> I moved to where I live currently. Uh at my house, I've, I use Wi-Fi calling, so it doesn't really ever factor in, and you know, or I'm on you know my Wi-Fi network in general. But around where I live, you know, if I walk a hundred yards outside of my yard, I'm on 3G if I'm lucky. That's the only thing that I'm getting. LTE is dead, um, and there are just some dead spots when you live in the woods. Uh, so 3G not being available at all would actually impact me pretty negatively because it saved me a few times when I'm, you know, trying to get a hold of somebody. However, I understand that the companies are saying we'd like to wind this down. We're trying to get everybody upgraded. But yeah, Verizon saying we're going to do this at the end of 2019. It's like, that's not happening. And of 2020, not happening. We're, we are not yet ready. Uh, and sounds like some of the other uh, uh, providers are saying, yeah, we need a little bit more time. But I think the Internet of Things devices, the things that you don't even think about, you'd think about them being Internet connected, but what are they being connected on type stuff? Uh, maybe mm. there's not a lot of bandwidth that's needed. Those devices needing to be, I don't know, upgraded or rendered obsolete, that'll be a little bit more interesting. Yeah. I, one, one thing I did want to say about it is I do have a very strong memory of the 3G rollout period. Uh, all the talk was that so many new devices will be able to use this service. So many new things will be able to to happen. I remember um, roaming kits for doing uh, broadcasting with a little backpack on your back. People would walk around with those and say, yeah, it's 3G connected. <laughs> and it's not only till lately that I started to realize, well, wait a minute, that means all that stuff either had to grow at the times and figure out a way to upgrade radios if they did, or if they didn't, you know, new models had to be made. Like, 
that probably left a lot of people in the lurch. And now what are you going to do? Like your, there are old Kindles that use 3G to get to download new books. And it sounds like eventually all that stuff goes. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually remember when uh, the original Amazon Kindle I had stopped being able to connect except over mm-hmm. Wi-Fi, right? Uh, because it had a built-in 2G connection. Uh, mm. And I'll be honest, Sarah, I'm a little skeptical that Verizon is putting this off because of use like yours. I think it's probably some corporate contractor who's exerting some contract clause saying, hey, oh, for sure. this contract says you have to keep 3G service around for this long. And so Verizon's looking at that saying, fine, fine, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll extend it for a little longer. But you, we've got to resolve this. Uh, somehow you either need to do a firmware update or swap out your hardware and companies like Toyota, who I don't think Toyota's on Verizon because it's saying like out of our hands, third party's taking it away. So I guess we're done. Uh, it's, it's the problem with building in an internet connection based on a protocol that's not going to last forever, which is, you know, cell cellular networks are not going to all this stuff to your point, Scott, that they're saying, Oh, 5g, 5g can be built into all this stuff. Now it's not going to last forever either. There's going to be something no. replacing it down the road as well. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I, I mean, progress is progress, right? We're moving into a new era. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, theoretically, you should have 4G service in your area, Sarah. That would the way it should work is by now, oh, 4G has rolled out everywhere, and you never need to rely on 3G. Right, yeah. oh, and and sometimes that is true. <laughs> It's not always true, though. Right. Uh, trust me, I know. Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've gotten to the point where when I'm on phone calls with people and I'm in my car, I'm like, I'm about to go to a dead area. I'm going to hang up now. I'll call you back in 10 minutes because it's just, otherwise yeah. it's going to get worse. Uh, but, yes, I don't think that Verizon's like, let's think of the rural folks. It's more of, uh, yeah, <laughs> like what, what do we have to do? Yeah. Uh, what are we obligated to do? All right, folks, Samsung made a bunch of product announcements ahead of CES uh, with this extra week. Uh, it feels like more CES stuff is trickling out slowly. Samsung soundbars are going to feature tap to pair with your smartphone so you can pair it with Bluetooth just with a tap. Uh, also, Apple AirPlay 2, as well as wider Dolby Atmos comp- compatibility in more of the models. Some nifty calibration microphones for setting them up. Uh, some Samsung TVs are going to get something called Smart Trainer, uh, which will work with Samsung's health app to track you while you work out in front of your TV. Uh, track you in the good way of like, you know, making sure you're you're up to speed and using some AI to, to see that you're still exercising. Uh, you would have to attach a Logitech camera to your Samsung television for that to work. So it's a, a lot of ifs and buts there. The Frame TV, first seen in 2017, you know, it's the one that looks like a, a painting when it's not a TV and it comes with like thousands of pieces of art you can put up on it. Uh, it's now just 24.9 millimeters thick, about the size of an average art frame, honestly, uh, and available in more sizes between 32 inch and 75 inches. Also, Samsung's QLED TVs are now called Neo QLED. That's the Samsung buzzword for CES. Uh, That means it includes mini LED-based full array local dimming for precise light control. And uh, the pixels are 40 times smaller. The LEDs are are 40 times smaller, so you can pack in more of them. Samsung also announced a remote with a solar cell, so it keeps charged. Uh, They also announced that their TVs are going to support PS5 and Xbox Series X 4K 120 frames per second input and VRR, just like the Onkyo we heard about earlier, and uh, Google Duo video chat support as well. Uh, So my first uh, thought when I saw this was, that's rad. I want one of these TVs. Look how cool that is. It looks like a framed picture. We're going to hang that up. And then I went, oh, wait, I plug a lot of things into my TV, and where are those going to go? And then my brain went, well, of course you're going to knock the wall out, Scott, and put them on the other side of some (laughs) closet. 
So now I'm like all the way back around going, I don't think I want this beautiful frame TV for anything other than. Well, that's, I think it's got a breakout box that you hide somewhere else. But then, yeah, then you have to deal with the frame and, or, or the wires. Right. Yeah, right. depending on you know where you live and how much you can drill into your wall, it can get complicated. When I saw the new frame TV this morning, I was like, that's dope. I mean, it's the, the nuts and bolts are really not that different, except that it's thinner than ever. It looks beautiful. For something like my living room setup, because I need a mounted tv on a swivel just because i have a weirdly shaped house uh this doesn't actually make a lot of sense to me because i like to especially if you're going to put something on the wall and it's sort of flush and yeah it looks like art when you're not watching something very cool as long as you want it to be at that level all the time once you put it on a stand of some kind or mount it then it sort of defeats the purpose so i'm not actually the target market for this. And it's also a little too rich for my pocketbook at this time, but boy, does it look nice. Yeah. You wouldn't, you would, you'd stop and admire it, but I don't know if I just, I, the practicality isn't sinking in yet for me. Unless again, you're just trying to do, or, or you ever got a new office layout and you really want to make every room pop and the conference room yeah. itself would just really benefit from a giant TV that just looked beautiful on that wall and it worried about where it plugged in and you're just good to go. Like that's that sounds amazing, and maybe that's who they're even aiming this for. But I, I, at home, I just can't. For me, I can't see it. I'm a plug and play guy. Samsung sells some invisible wires to go with your Samsung Frame TV. I don't know if they bundle any in the box, maybe too. But uh, why? How are they invisible? They're clear. They're just magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're, they're clear. not that invisible. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like clear braces. Not as invisible as invisible. Yeah. Uh, Folks, join in the conversation in our Discord. You can join that by linking to a Patreon account at patreon.com slash DTNS. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone tap iPhone. 
All right. OpenAI released two extensions to the GPT-3 deep learning model that are significant advances in getting algorithms to understand how words relate to images. The first extension, Contrastive Language Image Pre-Training, or CLIP for short, identifies what's in an image. It's not new, but what's significant is how it gets trained. Usually models are trained from a data set of images with labels. A bunch of cat images are labeled cat. A bunch of images of bananas label banana. You get the you get the picture. Now, Clip was trained on images and captions taken from the internet, and it learns by identifying which of the 32,768 captions go with which images, and then develops the ability to link objects to names and words. That lets it identify objects and images outside of its actual training set. Get smarter. And multiple objects, not just bananas or bananas and cats, more objects altogether. The second extension is called Dolly. It's kind of written like Wally, D-A-L-L-E. Dolly is also trained on text and image pairs taken from the internet. But Dolly creates illustrations based on a short natural language phrase. So an example would be a baby daikon radish in a tutu walking a dog. Doesn't happen that often, but it did well on that one. Or an avocado armchair. You wouldn't believe the results. Did not do as well on a snake made of harp. Snail made of harp, rather. But <laughs> snake made of harp would be Probably equally wouldn't weird. Probably wouldn't that one either. Yeah. yeah, so you can get weird with it uh, with varying results, but sometimes kind of gets it. OpenAI posted 32 Dolly images ranked by clip as best matching the description. Mark Riedel of the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta, Georgia, told MIT Technology Review that he thinks Dolly might do well on the Lovelace 2 test, which measures AI on its ability to blend concepts in a creative way. So not just images, but concepts themselves. While these models are milestones, they do have their limits. Dolly isn't consistent if you rephrase a caption with words that mean the same thing. It can only handle so many objects, and then it kind of starts getting confused. There's also a question of how novel its images actually are and whether those tutu-wearing daikons are copied from the internet, not actually created from scratch. Oh, that's interesting. That little bit I missed. So uh, as a, I'm glad that this is today because as someone who does about half his living as an illustrator and artist and cartoonist, this is very interesting to me. For a long time, there's been little ripples of fear around that community saying, well, one day, what's to stop technology for getting so good that they won't need us anymore? It'll just generate images. And on this show, we've talked before about fantasy D&D characters being created uh, from a database that that are a lot like that. This person doesn't exist site, and they all look different. They look like paintings. And what's what's a what's a game developer need to hire an artist for anymore? We'll just use this technology. And so this is just like another step in that direction. But I'm happy to report that these are all kind of cool and weird, but terrible. Like they're terrible, <laughs> and they're not going to work for those kinds of applications. Scott, be nice to the AI. <laughs> okay, have you seen the exact same cat on the top as a sketch on the bottom, where they give it a, a photo of a cat and it turns it into a sketch? Yes, and and don't get me wrong, there are going to be uses for this even immediately. Where uh, when this becomes a, a more common thing and it's cheaper to either use this, use this, or use a service service that gives you this versus contracting something with an artist or an agency. People will use it for some tasks. There'll be reasons why that makes sense. I use that video game reason on purpose because I do think that AI-driven creation of a bunch of characters for your big, expansive uh, RPG 
is actually not only going to save you a ton of money, but actually works really well. Like they looked really good and they were legitimate. Uh, but if you're going to go to somebody and say, look, I want to make this very custom thing with all these reasons why it needs to say this or do this or show this for an important article I'm putting in Newsweek or whatever, that illustrator will have an advantage for a very long time over an AI that is given a set of instructions. And, and I, I always feel it's incumbent to point out that's not why they're doing this. They're not doing right, this to replace right. you. Uh, what they're doing is advancing what AI can do. And the big advance here is the semantics. It doesn't really have semantics, but the appearance of semantics is pretty compelling. And that's why the Lovelace 2 test uh, is is really interesting. Like, does this look like it's creative? Like, avocado chair seems obvious to us, but that's a really hard thing for a machine to wrap its head around. And it did it. Uh, so and the idea that you can just say too to clip, and we're talking about Dolly mostly here, but to clip to say, uh, hey, just find an object and not have to have trained it on that object to just have it trained on stuff so it understands what objects are out there. Again, in a limited space, it, it, it's not widespread. It has a limited data set that it's trained on, but you didn't tell it what objects to learn. It just learned them. Those are huge advances. Right. It's a it's a really neat thing though to see, and uh, you know, again because it would impact me directly, I feel like I have a bias toward it. But I'm actually impressed. Like I'm actually impressed with what it could pull off. I still think it looks terrible, but I also said that about early Photoshop attempts at changing people's faces or deep fake attempts that have come so far since then. So, but you could also, I mean, uh, Scott, you obviously illustrate lots of things all the time. It could be something kind of fun where you're like, this is a ridiculous concept maybe i need some inspiration and you see yeah. some stuff and you're like eh, nah, i could do better but then you kind of get your creative juices flowing yeah another a, a very quick example of that because i know we're out of time on the story almost but but this idea of me being able to say okay i need to quickly construct a composition and by composition i mean generally the mountains are here and generally the building is over here and generally our main character is here in the foreground and they're kind of positioned in a a natural sort of a uh, human is drawn to it and their eyes are drawn to it in a very good compositional way. I used to take classes on this. If there was ways to do that with just very basic objects and say, throw all that out for me so I can just have some inspiration and then work from that. There's something there. There's something to that because the way we do things digitally anyway, we're always using reference photos and references anyway. So, so I, I have no problem with that kind of stuff in terms of how it might affect me. Uh, but in the meantime, I don't think anybody should be in any hurry to say, well, I'm going to have my next children's book illustrated by this AI. And that's not, not, again, like that's not what this is about at all. It's right. not meant <laughs> right. to do that. Right. And right. Uh, if there's any, any folks out there who, who use this kind of stuff, send us feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Let us know what this is being used for. Cause, cause there are so many purposes that this can help that people kind of skip on by. Cause they want to go right to where Scott's talking about of like, is it going to affect me? Is it going to replace mm-hmm. me? <laughs> yeah. The other one final thing, the other cool thing, it's a little bit like watching a little kid draw for the first time. So you see a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old, and they first put crayon to paper. And there is this feeling of, oh, my gosh, he's going to do it. He's going to draw a dog. It's going to happen right here in front of my eyes. There's a little <laughs> bit of that happening here. The AI is like a, a, you know, a toddler, and we're getting to see how we can get that toddler to do things we I mean, never thought would be capable of. The icon in the T2 ain't of. bad. I'm g- it's I, not terrible. I a two-year-old, I mean, kudos. I don't kudos. know if a two-year-old could do that. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> There's a couple on there that might, you know, may give me a little pause. The tutu and the dog aren't that bad. They're all right. The avocado gives me more pause. <laughs> I want an avocado chair. I told Tom before the show, my birthday's in October. Get better get cracking, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I will sit in that. 
Well, uh, let's talk about one final thing in the Minecraft world. Hey, Minecraft players, the Minecraft team announced a little bit of sad news. It will soon shut down its AR mobile game, Minecraft Earth. You may remember this was a game that was positioned to compete with the likes of Pokemon Go and other augmented reality games. Uh, the team said the game was originally created to encourage free movement and collaborative play, two things that become near impossible in, a, in the current global situation. Uh, the final update to the game uh, reduces the time needed to craft and the cost of materials to let players enjoy the game while staying at home. In-app purchases have been disabled and paid Ruby coins will be converted into mine coins that can be used on a wider Minecraft marketplace. You can use it for actual Minecraft to buy in-game stuff. Play and download, uh, or sorry, play and downloads of Minecraft Earth will end on June 30th. And player data will be deleted promptly on July 1st. So this is uh, right about time people start going back outside in the world if everything goes to plan. <laughs> yeah, you'd mentioned that in pre-show, and I would I would like to tag on to that. This um, these these are two weird pullouts from Microsoft this year that I didn't expect. Uh, this one seemed like it was gaining a little ground. I know some players that were enjoying it. It was coming, you know, it was coming along, and now that we're getting to a place where we might be out more come spring and summer and that sort of thing, pulling the plug this early just seems a little. I don't know, premature. It's not like they couldn't keep it going. They've got the money to do it. Um, a lot like pulling Mixer right before a massive new console launch. Um, yeah, Mixer wasn't doing great. Minecraft Earth wasn't doing great. But Microsoft can take these experiments further, and I sometimes wish they would. Uh, so it bums me out a little bit. But, hey, Minecraft, uh, ge generally Minecraft is all good. Sitting there doing what Minecraft does. You're just not going to be able to play this version of it anymore. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Thor from what he calls finally cold Oslo, Norway. Congratulations, Thor. I uh, wanted to add to the conversation we were having about electric cars. We talked about uh, EVs with Tim Stevens on Monday. We talked about it a little bit more yesterday. Thor says in Norway, we have tax incentives to buy electric vehicles and we have generally higher wages. This has allowed Teslas to become quite prevalent in a pretty short amount of time. I used to see Volvos wherever I went. Now I know there's always a Tesla, at least one, parked somewhere within sight. The increase is interesting and probably makes sense since most, if not all, of the electricity in Norway is from hydroelectric plants. But that also means that as Norway gets greener, battery production is probably making other places less green, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, our tax credits are are lowering. We we now have a we used to have a seventy five hundred dollar tax credit for an electric vehicle. Now it's down to thirty seven fifty for twenty twenty, and then it's going to go down. I think it's eighteen seventy five for the latter half. Uh, but we see a lot of them around Los Angeles and San Francisco too. So I I, I kind of feel you, Thor. Not as cold though in those places. <laughs> <laughs> Oslo, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, thanks, Thor. It's always nice to to hear from the ground, from yeah. where people are in various places places in the world. Also, nice to know that we have patrons at our master and grandmaster levels. Today, they include Justin Zellers, Miss Music Teacher, and Mike McLaughlin. Thanks to Scott Johnson for being with us today. Scott, I don't know how cold it is in the SLC, but what have you been up to? We're, <clears throat> weirdly, it's in the 40s today. It's usually uh, like below freezing, so I don't know what's going on. Probably a storm coming. But while that's happening and if people are thinking, man, I sure could use an escape from uh, the daily rigors of life with uh, some sort of headphones, well, then I might recommend a show that's now going on 11 years called Film Sack. We've been doing it that long. It's a show that tackles different movies each week. A lot of stuff in the 80s and 90s, but more recent stuff as well. And we don't just focus on garbage or the great stuff. We do a lot of stuff in between. We're doing Almost Famous this weekend. Last weekend we did 
uh, Air Force One. And the weekend after that, we're doing a cliffhanger with Arnold, or not Arnold Schwarzenegger, with um, Sylvester Stallone, if I can get my action heroes right. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like fun. It is. Uh, four hosts having a blast every week. Go check it out. Filmsack.com for details. And for everything else I've got going, you can find me at frogpants.com. Ooh, uh, real quickly, Jim Video points out Clip could be used to help blind people know what is going on around them. There, there's stuff that does that, but it could help it ah, get better at that. Good, yeah, yeah. Nice. Jim Video did that in our Discord, which you can get by being a patron. And you know what else you get by being a patron? An ad-free feed of DTNS. Support us on Patreon. Get your own personal RSS feed supported directly by you, sponsored by you. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. Uh, we love everybody who watches and listens at their leisure, but we are live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 21.30 UTC. You can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Put it on your calendar. We'll be back tomorrow with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. You have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.